Welcome to the Healing Circle podcast, where we talk about everything mental health, faith, and relationships. Though this show is hosted by a licensed therapist, that's me, Kobe, I am not your therapist. These amazing conversations are meant to provide psychoeducation and start some good conversation, but they're not meant to be a substitute for real therapy services. We're excited to learn, grow, and talk with you guys. So let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Kobe and Kyle, and welcome back to the Healing Circle. (laughs) Guys, the feedback we've been getting has been insane. Surprising. We (laughs) were not (laughs) surprised, rather not not surprised. We were not expecting. Yeah, prepare. I'm like, where where is my brain going right now? We were not expecting to get the feedback we were getting and have been getting. We knew that this these subjects are important. That's why we're making a podcast on them. That's why we're talking about it. But man, I I the amount of absolute strangers that have sent us messages and DMs and emails and I mean it's just been insane and to me it's not even like people are coming to me and telling me what i'm doing is great that would be cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah do that do that if you want to but what has been most cool is people are like this is me oh my i felt this way for so long and i didn't even know it was a thing i didn't even know that this was something that could be dealt with i didn't even realize that i operated this way and i heard those words and man it was just so beautiful and is so beautiful to hear people's feedback. Y'all, y'all are amazing. Our listenership quadrupled, quadrupled. Yeah, that's four times for quadrupled in know. one month. So y'all are bomb. You guys are an amazing community, and we're just so grateful to have you. Y'all are some ride or dies for yeah. real. For y'all real. keep this up, and I'm gonna have my own Real Housewives oh uh, show. <laughs> Everyone's got a guilty pleasure. I think it's impossible to be flipping through a channel and see some money get wine thrown on them and then not see what happens next. Yeah, I know. It's the funniest has been seeing your dad like flip through like cable. (laughs) His dad's a pastor and he'll be like, why did she just do that? Oh no. And is she about to pull her hair? Now we, that is disrespectful. It is so funny seeing him like. He really thinks it's happening. I mean, it is happening, but he really thinks like, oh man, people are out here in the yeah, world doing this. He'll sit this. there for like 15 minutes, just mouth wide open. Like in shock. And it's the cutest thing ever. Yeah. But if y'all keep listening, you may be, you know, you may find me on a on a TV somewhere throwing a, a perfectly fine glass of wine at somebody. I would never. I would never. But I'll tell you what. I, Kyle and I have discussed this. This is like one of our long-term goals. We would love to have a show on the Discovery Plus network. It'd be really cool. Yeah. You're looking at me like, what? I mean, I was thinking more Food Network, but that's fine. But Discovery Plus is cooler because it includes food stuff. So, you know, yeah, let me, but there's let me too not much give you discovery in the Discovery Plus. No, there's I'm, not. I'm just here for the food. What? Goodbye, sir. Um... So that's going to happen one day. God's going to do it. And we're not going to be a crazy family on TV. It's going to be very, very wholesome with (laughs) minimal booty shaking. That's it. (laughs) Just minimal. You got to sell tickets. Um, Thank you, guys. That's what I was getting at. Three minutes of (laughs) just talking. But, man, you guys are amazing. Um, when Kyle and I started this podcast, we never in a million years thought that we would get the support we're getting now. And so it's definitely um a god wink because we were like we think god wants us to do this and and the feedback has been a constant reminder that we heard right so thank you guys yeah one would have been enough but four or five thousand is is pretty incredible (laughs) pretty incredible 
pretty incredible. So guys, let's jump into today's episode. Thank you guys for bearing with us um, these past four minutes. So we talked about emotional constriction last time. And for those of you who did not listen, please, please, please go back and do that. You don't want to miss because this is part two, emotional reparenting emotional constriction part two. And we're going to jump right in. I'm going to redefine um, I'm going to define, my brain is everywhere today. I'm going to define reparenting emotional constriction so that we can talk about how to actually walk in that reparenting because last time we kind of set the foundation for it. So emotional constriction is also known as constricted affect. Um, it's used to describe restriction in the intensity or the range of the display of emotions or feelings which means that a person holds back and does not display his or her emotions with complete intensity, right? If they're really excited, they might like crack a smile. If they're really sad, they might like look downcast, but maybe not shed a tear um, when they should. Um, You can identify emotional constriction by loss of interest in things that are important to you and things that were once positive activities, feeling distant or detached from other people, failing to access your feelings, feeling flat both physically and emotionally, experiencing an inability to fully participate in life, kind of feeling like you're an onlooker of like that the really highs and the really lows and you're just kind of like waiting in the middle. Uh, having difficulty with experiencing positive feelings such as happiness, preferring isolation rather than being around other people. I've met people like that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we're doing this. That's one of the funny things is people keep saying, how do you like come up with what you guys are going to talk about? And I'm like, our lives. Look in the mirror. Our our lives, like our our everyday conversations And we're like, oh, we should. And I'm like, you know, Kyle may say something or engage in a way. And I'm like, you know, this is called, right? And he's like, no. And then I tell him and we're like, well, you should talk about this because we are not the only people (laughs) experiencing this. So we're glad and grateful to experience um, this reparenting with you guys. So it can be caused by lots of things. um, Traumatization in childhood. Uh, grief. It can affect how we experience grief. It can come from depression, from physical abuse, from mental or emotional abuse, from overwhelming stress. It can come from lots of things. And today what we're going to do is kind of talk about why we're even talking about this for real and why emotional constriction isn't even an issue Mm. because the world that we live in kind of treats emotional constriction like it's maturity. Yeah. Which is so which is what makes it so hard to reparent it because honestly we're incentivized to not show high highs and low lows. Yeah. And for those of us that are believers like for many of us our faith journey or our faith of origin if you're Christian and if you if you <laughs> if you black and a Christian and you grew up in black church um there is a it's weird. You can be praised for like faking positive emotions, but you will be ridiculed for really experiencing negative emotions. Yeah. Like if, if you don't feel like clapping or you don't feel like praising the Lord or raising your hands and you do it, people will high five you. Yeah. But if you're like legitimately depressed, it's like, "Mm, that's that sin. Yeah. (laughs) You need to work on that. Yeah. And even, I think that like we have this, idea that it's okay to show positive emotions and not okay to show negative emotions. But to be quite honest, I feel like we limit people's expression of their positive emotions too, right? Because I think that if someone's leading from the front, they can be, they can show that they're happy, but they can't show that they're so excited that they're crying, especially if they're male, right? And oftentimes we think that the goal of of seeking the Lord and of growing old is to like become mature. Mm-hmm. I don't even really know where that came from. I feel like the the goal of growing old is to experience long lasting connections and deep transformative connections. And because we've kind of made like maturity this weird like 
summit that we're all clamoring mm-hmm. at. We all pretend like, oh my gosh, I, I don't feel anything or I'm not affected by anything. And I just don't really know whether I know where that comes from, but I don't know who it serves. I, I don't know who it, well, it serves folks who, who, I don't even want to say don't have the courage to be vulnerable because that's, that's not what, what's actually happening. Yes, it takes a ton of courage to be vulnerable, but vulnerability is hard, right? Like, yeah. It never gets easier. Yeah. By definition, it is always just as hard as the last time. Yeah. You can't master it. Yeah. And I think that is why a lot of us come into spaces of faith or spaces of mm-hmm. leadership. And we experience this, this like level of mistrust and we don't know why we're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's because we're feeling things deeply that we don't see reflected in the leadership. Yeah. Which makes it seem like if I was just in your position, if I would just do what you're doing, I wouldn't be so overwhelmed by my feelings, right? And part of why emotion constriction is a thing is, I mean, it's adaptive. It's preventative Mm -hmm. and it's protective. People aren't just not, people are not betraying their, their holistic needs. They're not betraying their own sense of humanity for kicks and giggles is not for fun. It's because (laughs) we have made it unsafe for people to be human. And more than that, in churches and in religious spaces, we've made it seem like Jesus does not want us to be human Mm. and that he's asking us to be less human. Yeah. That to be holy and set apart is to somehow be less created. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, yeah. Yeah. And when we are, when we are, reparenting ourselves when we are giving ourselves space because so let me step back first the goal of reparenting is to offer ourselves what was not offered to us when we needed it yeah and recognizing that ignoring a need does not negate the existence of the need how many of us say that it's the truth how many of us needed a safe place when we're eight nine ten sixteen never got it the moment passed and we just thought that really sucked the moment passed. And yet here we are in our late twenties and thirties, still needing the very thing that was not offered to us in our childhood. Yeah. That's why this is even a thing. Our needs don't, they don't, our, our needs don't disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, our desires don't just like evaporate. They don't evaporate. They accumulate. Yeah. And the more we ignore them, the harder it is, the longer the list gets of the things that we need to address. And so reparenting is like beginning to reframe and reshape our inner world. Mm. Um, You know, we're a part of Transformation Church and they say, you know, upward, inward, outward. You know, we look to God to love him fully. Um, We want to love ourselves correctly so we can love our neighbors compassionately. But most of us cannot show up around other people because one, the person who was meant to take care of us didn't give us a template for how to love ourselves compassionately. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's this really, I don't know, it's a, it's a really sad reality that the more you look at your own emotional constriction and you try to figure out what reparenting um, actually looks like, there's, I have to spend a lot of time trying to give my inner child a voice, which is, it, it gets really tedious and it's kind of embarrassing sometimes. And it requires that you live slowly. Yeah. You cannot reparent yourself and live fast. Yeah. You can't. Because part of that reparenting, like like we've talked about, it is allowing that inner child, and maybe that child was 10 or maybe that child was 20, right? <laughs> um, but there's this inner, this inner child, very often that unsafe moment or that unsafe space that we're trying to get to it boils down to stripping the voice away from that individual yeah like that's what a lot especially a lot of trauma is a a person who has found themselves without a means to express who they are the the every fear ultimately comes and even what the enemy tries to do he Mm. comes to steal your voice he comes to steal not only your confession of who god is yeah but um your idea of who you are yeah and so very often as we look at reparenting it's yes it's giving yourself the space that you didn't have when you were younger 
And it's also actively going back and giving that younger self a voice and a place to express directly. Mm. So not just yeah. saying like, okay, I'm going to let myself feel, um, which is super hard all on its own, no, it's but saying, difficult. okay, well, I'm going to spend some time acknowledging that that joke they told about me on the bus in middle school, you know, sixth grade, I remember the day, like that still sits with me sometimes. Yeah. Like, and for some of you, you may like go throughout your day. We actually, we talked about this the other day. Yeah. I will be randomly doing something and I remember and something embarrassing really moment. embarrassing oh, from like middle gosh. school. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm spiraling. I'm like, why did why? I do that? I hope no one How did that this? happen? But yeah. And, and it's like, okay, that's funny. But part of that is like, I'm 28. Yeah. I may need to think critically about why I'm rehearsing a moment from when I was 11 years old. Yeah. And why it keeps coming up and it's come up every yeah. few months let me, for the last decade. Let me challenge really quickly how you just framed that. So you said why you're rehearsing. You're not rehearsing because that implies that you are retaining the Im- information and purposely regurgitating it. You are recalling it. Right. Yeah. Your, your yeah, brain. I see what you're saying. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. And like that is like one of like my really small pet peeves is like stop rehearsing what the enemy said. And it's like many people, some people are rehearsing it, and I can be a person who rehearses. But a lot of people are sitting there minding their business <laughs> at their job, and then have a what's called a flashback. Yeah. Their intrusive thoughts, feelings, or images that are connected to past traumatic events. So what you just said. Um, I like to like explain this to people because oftentimes people are like, they said this when I was six, like, who cares? Like, get over it. They're just words. Let them roll off your back. Like you're mm. stronger than that. Well, let me break down the biology that God created, that by the, the systems that God created and how they affect us today. So one, on a spiritual level, level God created everything with words. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. God, the only the only moment that God lifted a finger is when he created mankind. Everything we see, the the infinite universe that we are like ever confused about was created with breath and sound. Yeah. That is how powerful words are. Right. It, there's a reason that faith comes by hearing. Yeah. You know, it's it's incredibly important. And even more than that, if you look in scripture, like God spends a lot of time expressing some negative emotions and expressing how he's feeling. And it's not because someone finally built the tower of Babel and got to heaven and slapped him in the face. God isn't when God is in Jeremiah two, mm-hmm. like really pouring out his heart and he's, he's talking about Israel forsaking him. And he asks like, what, what fault did you find in me? Like what, why did your ancestors turn from me? Like, what did I do? Like he's, he's expressing this like lament over, I gave myself to you and you turned your back on me. He's not talking about Israel punching him in the face. He's talking about the words that they said. He's talking yeah. about the way that they treated him. He's never been physically hurt, and yet we can see him mourning and wounded, wounded over what was said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, all of that. <laughs> also, when you think about, let's say, I say something really mean to you. Uh your eyebrows uneven, Kyle, right? Just j- just a phrase, a simple phrase, yeah. right? So now that phrase creates a emotional reaction, which is a chemical and hormonal response in your physical body, right? So part of why we have emotions are to be able to appraise social situations, it is our ability to decide with our bodies, even against our own will, what is important and what is not. Mm. That is why the same words to different people can mean completely different things because we all have different values, right? Yeah. So I say, yeah. you know, eyebrows are uneven. You have a physical response to it. I, I may laugh when someone says it to me, mm-hmm. but you have a physical response to it. Now it's in your short-term memory. But now it's stuck in your head 
Why? Because you had a physical response to it. You're trying to make sense of why you had a physical response to it. You're trying to figure out if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're angry. Why was I feeling that way? Why did that person do that? Right? So your brain starts recalling it against your will because it's already had a physiological response to it. It's trying to figure out where do I file this information? Well, the more your brain processes this information, well, what happens to short-term memory it gets converted to long-term memory. It's consolidated into long-term memory. Now, long-term memory now becomes the foundation. Thank God for Inside Out, or I wouldn't be able to, to track <laughs> this conversation. Shout out to Pixar. We keep going, babe. Now your long-term memory becomes what people call the subconscious, finger mm-hmm. quotation, the subconscious foundation for how you operate in the world. Meaning you do not have to have it recalled in the front of your mind for it to become the invisible barriers by which you operate in. It's kind of like when you start driving. After 10 years of driving, your brain knows what that dotted line is for. Yeah. No one, you don't get in the car and say, Kobe, make sure to stay on this side of the road. Mm-hmm. No, your brain just knows. Why? Because after years and years and years of someone pounding it into your head and letting you know how unsafe it can be if you cross that line, Mm -hmm. it is automatic, right? Wow. So here's how a simple phrase becomes, after having an emotional response, becomes short-term memory. Long-term memory becomes the foundation through which you see the world. And the foundation through which you see the world becomes a part of your personality, Mm. right? So- what personality trait is developed from your the criticism I give you, right? For everyone, it's different. You might be self-critical to the point that you develop um, something like body dysmorphia or eating disorder, mm. right? Yeah. You might become anxious, afraid that someone's going to point out something in you that you didn't see about yourself. Me? You might... <laughs> Never. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that laugh was so nervous. The accuracy. Um, Keep going, though. You might become someone who develops a sense of hopelessness because your fixation is not on being called out, but your fixation is on having these traits that you can't change. Mm. Right? And so... When we talk about emotions, they are useful. They are necessary. They are God-ordained. They are part of how we are meant to operate in the world. And there's a reason why emotions cannot be extracted from any human interaction or experience. That is why we call the absence of emotion sickness. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be there. They're supposed to help us. Right? They're supposed to help us navigate the world around us. They're supposed to help us see what we value, what we don't value. Also, emotions are the check engine light of the soul. Right? They are what help it's what helps us see what matters. Gotcha. So people, that emotional constriction kind of you're driving the car with with none of those lights working. It's like it's like driving the car on E. And you have no clue because you have no like barometer for where your gas is. Mm. And yet, you know, you're hearing all these noises and like the the hood smoking up and the cars making weird noises and it's stuttering and and you're just like, what is going on? Every look, the barometers say everything is fine. Well, that's what being emotionally constricted is like. Yeah. It's saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, <laughs> until your the car, car runs down. out of gas in the middle of an intersection. Yeah, then and you're now on the side you're, of the road calling your therapist. Yeah, and, and then you're in danger. Yeah, yeah. In, it, it gives you no, it gives you, there's no gradient of safety, right? And what I was going to say earlier is like trauma always, always speaks to these three things, in my opinion. Trauma always speaks to identity, it speaks to agency and it speaks to safety. Mm. When we experience trauma, it tells us the sa- the lack of safety we experience in one moment is going to be projected into the future. That is what flashbacks are for in PTSD, right? Flashbacks come back to say, hey, by the way, you might not be safe. The safety of the past is now projected in the f- into the, f- the present rather yeah. and the, and the, you know, safety or lack of safety in the present is projected into the future. Wow. It's this thing saying it's your body trying to keep you safe 
but literally it being on overdrive, that's what hypervigilance is. Being ready to, to, you know, pull out a weapon or, or attack someone, whether it's verbally or physically at any point, it's because your safety is at risk. Your safety is on the line, right? And I could go through Genesis 3 and, t- and, and walk through that entire thing, right? Like the enemy, yeah. uh, when he, when he convinces, he yeah, when he convinces them with just a question, and that is what trauma often is. Mm-hmm. The enemy does not just say like, God's a liar. That's not what he started with. He started with a question, a question that causes us to answer with something that makes us think in the future. When we look back, we'll think back to our answer and not to the question that we were asked. Mm. Did God really say? And then all of a sudden. If we were to, if I was to say to you, what is the trauma? Identify the trauma of Genesis 3. Most people would say it was when they ate the apple, the fig, the fruit, whatever people say it is, right? The real trauma is when someone questioned the integrity of the person that they knew their their safety was in the hands of. That's the real trauma Mm. of now having this fear because that question was to incite fear. And the fear did the rest. The fear did what it does. It, it, yeah. it, it bore fruit. It, it, it latched on it, it dug its roots down deep and wide. Yeah. Right? And then we see the results of that affecting the other things that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. We see it affecting identity. identity. We yep. see it, we definitely see it affecting agency. Yeah. And then we, we see it affecting safety and yep. the, the eternity long battle of man trying to get back to a point where they feel secure again. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a great point, a great moment to speak to how powerful emotions are. Right? Yeah. Because they trusted God. They felt safe with him. Yeah. They knew he was good because of what they felt with him. Right? And now the enemy comes and questions what their experience with God is. So and I think some people don't are resistant to de- developing emotional intelligence and emotional literacy yeah. because they feel like it's worshiping their emotions. It's not about worshiping your emotions. It's about aligning your emotions for the, with their, their God-given purpose. Yeah. What were they meant to do? They were meant to connect me to God. Now I need to start aligning and developing a sense of health so that I can engage in my emotions in that same yeah. way. And you can't explore what you can't explain. Yeah. So, you know, if if like this emotional literacy, you <laughs> her face is like I'm like you I mean you can't you, explain what you can't what you don't explore. No, I'm, I mean like if you want to explore these emotions, you actually want to get down to the bottom of them. You have to first start by, by being able to even explain what's going on, at least with my therapist. That's how we started. Because mm. I was in this place You're talking where, about emotional literacy. Yeah, I'm talking about emotional literacy specifically. Yeah. Because in, I think many people are in a similar By place. the way, this is step one to reparenting yourself in emotional, if you are emotionally constricted. Emotional literacy is step one. Yeah, yeah, step one. If you're emotionally constricted, step one is develop emotional literacy. And before you go into it, can I define mm-hmm. what emotional literacy is? Yep. All right. So emotional literacy refers to a person's ability to recognize, name, and express their feelings. Yeah. Right. So as a therapist, I may say to someone, what are you experiencing in your body right now? I noticed when you said that I got kind of irritable and like I, I like clenched my fists and, you know, I felt kind of fidgety. I wanted to crawl out of my skin. Right. Then I might say, hmm. Where are you feeling it in your body? Where do you feel it most? Well, I feel that fidgetiness in like the upper half of my body. Okay. Yeah. And you you recognize what that was connected to? Yeah. I remember feeling it right when you said my mom's name. Hmm. So what emotion do you think that was? And then usually they take a second and might pull out the emotion wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they'll say, um, angry, nervous 
scared, right? When your therapist is asking you these questions that feel really elementary, it's actually a really, really intentional and specific intervention that is meant to help you develop emotional literacy. And emotional literacy is not just being able to say an emotion or say a word, yeah. because some of my clients are really heady. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can be really heady and you can be really heady. Yeah, and part of social media culture now oh is we like, engage I, in yeah. mental health is everyone's got a word for it. Yeah. But that word that yeah. you got it. And and so what that would look like if I was working with a client, they might say, I was so angry. And I would say, oh, yeah, well, how did you know that? I mean, I just knew I was angry. Okay, what does anger look like for you? What does it feel like in your body? And now I'm causing them to go back and do that appraisal. Mm-hmm. What am I, what was I feeling in my body? How do I know when I'm angry? Yeah. Right. Because now you have the opportunity to address emotion either with words first and mm-hmm. trace it back to physical sensation or to f- physical sensation into words. And many of us can connect, especially people of color, we can connect to the physical sensation. Mm-hmm. What's hard for us is connecting it to the words. Yeah. Because the words have such a stigma. The physical, how many times do you hear, oh, she said that and I was hot? Yeah. (laughs) We know what that means. But how many of us grew up hearing the people say, I was so angry? Yeah. I was so angry, right? I I feel so let down. I feel so disappointed. Mm -hmm. How do you know you're disappointed? Well, on one hand, I feel like this lingering sense of hope. And at the same time, I feel angry and sad. Mm, so you're telling me like you had this hope and now the hope hope feels like it won't be fulfilled. Yeah. Where do you feel that in your body? I feel that in my chest. And I'll sit might say sit with that. That's disappointment. Like feel that disappointment. Because we're gonna be in situations that are really confusing because life is messy. AF. Life is messy. And we might be in situations where we feel that sensation in our chest and everything around us is going really fast. And when we're trying to go back and recall, what was I feeling? We, if we, even if we don't have the word at the moment, we can say, oh, I felt that sensation in my chest. When's the last time I felt that? I felt that when I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Last time I felt that way is when my brother said blank. Last time I felt that way is when my best friend didn't show up on time to dinner. Yeah. Right. That is how we develop emotional literacy, but it, it, it depends on us going slow, which is like the very antithesis of what the culture, the culture teaches us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. And actually that's a, that's a great explanation. Cause you're, you're just talking about um, in the same manner, like you, you can't explore what you can't explain. Yeah. And so very often as we're, especially for those who are emotionally constricted, like I am was hopefully will not be in the future. <laughs> um, you can almost feel like you're you're on the outskirts of a party everyone else is having as they're talking about these feelings that they feel. Yep, and I know for back. me, I was just like, well, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I know that a normal person would feel this. So this is what I'm going to say I feel. Because mm. I just don't want people to realize. I, I used to really think I was a sociopath. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's like, called I, mirroring. Yeah. I thought I was like, I don't have feelings. Oh my God, people are going to know I'm crazy. Mm. I have to pretend. I got to make sure, like, I know what this stuff looks like so I can fake it. Yeah. The truth is, I was really using, I was, I was engaging with my emotions in the safest way I knew how. Yeah. And the truth is, because you experienced codependency, you never got to develop an understanding of how you authentically express emotions. Yeah. And so you start to engage in what's called mirroring and just start expressing your emotions the way other people express them. Yeah. Mm. And and I'd grab whatever felt right for the right situation. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden I've got 13 different ways to express anger, but none of them are mine. Mm. Um, mm. And, and that's been my whole life until my therapist, Dr. Todd. Dr. Carlos Todd. The king goat. of the world. Um, he helped me. He helped me walk through that process that exactly that you're talking about of like, OK, yeah. what do you feel? I don't know. <laughs> what don't you feel? What do you mean? Mm, what a great <laughs> like, question. Like, what? Yeah. And so then we start for me, we started by like, well, what don't you feel? Oh, yeah. I don't feel this. I don't and then you you narrow it down. But yes. it's it's part of being able to marry what you are with what you can say, what you can explain, so you can go deeper. Yeah. And I think another way that we can reparent um our emotional constriction is like sharing some mm-hmm. of these emotions in a way that's 
safe in a way that's low risk, um, hopefully high reward. <laughs> yeah. And the high reward doesn't have to be that people are like, oh my gosh, you did it. Go share. The high reward is is honestly intrinsic, right? Mm -hmm. Me and Dan Siegel, Dan don't know this, but me and Dan, we're besties, okay? Because I will never, never not use the name entertainment because it just, it, it is, it is, he discovered a gem. He really did. Yeah. So it's a reason why I say it's intrinsic because Dan Siegel coined um, a term called name entertainment. Essentially, when we are in distress, the right posterior part of our brain sends off these signals, right, of stress. Help, help. We're stressed out. When <laughs> we use words, when we use words, a left side of our brain responsible for language sends neurotransmitters that calm the distress on our right side of our brain, right? Mm. If you're Christian, that's what? That's James 6.15? Confess oh, your sins to yes. one another that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. The brain literally begins to heal itself when we put words to the pain that we're feeling. And this is like a segue, but... Emotions do not have to have, they do not have to be tied to a purpose, to a goal in the moment. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Many people don't want to express how they're feeling because I hear a lot, well, what, what will change? Yeah. It won't change anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing's going to change. What's the point? Yeah. I'm not going to. I don't want to share how I'm feeling. Why not? It's just, it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to change, right? And it is yet, what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. What am I going to do about it? That we don't share our emotions just to fix things or to change things. We share our emotions to express who we are because look at scripture. We will always go back to scripture. We love you guys. We will always go back to scripture, <laughs> right? Like Like you were saying earlier, when God is speaking to the Israelites, he's like, what, what have I done to offend y'all? Like, like he's coming to them and sharing this frustration mm -hmm. and this sadness, this anger, this jealousy, this yeah. loss, this. You can't read Jeremiah 2 without like really feeling like, it, oh, honestly, it he's was hurt. part of what like helped me engage with, I mean, myself and with God more because I was reading Jeremiah 2. And I was like, oh, whoever wrote this, whoever said this, they've been hurt the way I felt hurt. Mm. I was like, oh, and, and it helped me marry. Like, oh, you know what? Maybe when I'm feeling this, I'm not becoming um, more human necessarily in, in like the, the bad way. But like, oh, I'm becoming more like God yeah. when I express this way. Like, this yes. isn't me becoming less. This is me getting closer yeah, to my it's not ideal. Distance, yes. Yeah. And many times we think like, don't speak like that. Things speak things that, that aren't as though they are. You God. you can't like some of us have literally been convinced that if we tell the truth, that we will make bad things happen. How wild is that? Yet God is the one who says that we were to worship in what? Spirit and truth. The truth will never lead you away from God. The truth is I'm sad. Me saying I'm not sad ain't gonna make me not sad. The truth will never lead you away from God, yeah, ever. Facts. It will never lead you away from God. And so many people think that their their pain and their hurt is not worth expressing because it's not going to immediately change things. But mm. the reality is we have a God who shares how freaking pissed off, sad, frustrated, and disappointed he is with the people that he loves so deeply mm -hmm. for the people that he cares for madly just because he wants them to know, yeah. just because it's worth sharing. All pain deserves to be witnessed. Yep. Yep. All pain deserves to be witnessed. It's the reason why everybody in the world have been crying and gone to the mirror to see what <laughs> oh they God, look like. I'm just saying, say it's the truth. It's true. It's true. It's and, and it, it's true and beyond it being true, we have to get used to believing that we were not just made for production because that's the root cause of that. The root cause of that type of thinking is it won't do anything. Mm -hmm. It won't produce anything. Maybe it's just there to be there. Yeah, maybe it is part of that divine nature 
that God has placed in you. Maybe mm. that's part of um, of what makes you look like Jesus. Maybe, yes. you know, that, I don't know. That Listen. sounds crazy to me. Jesus Listen. was never sad. So that's, you know, I, I don't even know. It, it, it really, it, it makes me sad. I yeah. think when people miss that Jesus is the example, the perfect example for the human life. And he utilizes the full range of human emotion to live a life that is sinless. Mm -hmm. A sinless life is a life where you're frustrated with people. A sinless life is a life where you're so angry, you flip over a table. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about that. And I remember this woman getting upset with me and being like, well, Jesus can do that. We can't. No, Jesus came to earth to be an example of what man could do and still remain righteous. There's not a thing that Jesus does that is not meant to be an example for mankind. Yeah. Jesus raged. He got really freaking angry mm-hmm. for the right things. Yeah. There is such a thing as righteous indignation. He gets, um, and we miss that. Like we miss, I was talking to um, a friend on one of her IG lives and we get so used to, again, people who experience this emotional constriction, they're trying to stay safe, mostly because at some point in their life, they expressed an emotion and either it was met with dismissal or denial, or they felt unsafe sharing that and didn't get a sense of validation and safety, Mm -hmm. right? So they stopped sharing, essentially. They stopped sharing and they adopt this mindset, not all, and this is not, I'm not trying to be monolithic here, but they adopt in general, this mindset of, well, just look at the bright side. Well, if you just call on God and if you just pray about it and don't think like that. I had a client, I was talking to her and I shared this on the IG live. I always say, how would you have responded to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane? How would you have responded when he was crying so hard, blood was coming out of his pores? What would you have said to God incarnate, to the creator of the universe wrapped in flesh? What would you have said if you saw him like that? You got to stop being so negative. Mm. (laughs) Mm. And a lot of us would, and we would have thought that we were reflecting him and we wouldn't be. Yeah. A lot of us would be like, oh, well, I, I just thought that was the right thing to do. We have to stop correcting how people express their emotions and start connecting to them in it. Sit with them in it. Yeah. And that's part of, you know, <laughs> what, a, what a tangent. Um, but here we are. We, we <laughs> were talking about how sharing your emotions in a low risk, high, high reward way is, is one of those ways to reparent. This, to begin it, yeah, that um, process. To to move into that. And and that's exactly what we're talking about. Like when you're in distress, what you really need is someone that you can express that distress to, that you won't be wondering what they're gonna do with that information, that you won't be scared about, you won't be worried about what how much face you've lost or how much respect um you you've lost from them or anything like that. And so mm. For, for many of us, our relationships are not necessarily yet a safe place to share emotions. And if you're going to repair an emotional constriction, you need a safe place. Yeah. Therapists are great, but you yeah. may not be able to afford therapy. But yeah. there are some things that you can do. Support groups, online forums. Online I'll tell forums you what, are great. Once I was yeah. pregnant, them online forums was popping. The mommy forums, I loved them. I loved them. It was such a safe place for me to just share what I was feeling without knowing who I was. Everyone was not like, I could just share what I was feeling in the moment, get it off my chest and move on with my day. I loved that. I loved that. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, Woo, we are blazing by in time. Okay, okay. I don't want not, this to be a super long by. This this is gonna be one of them uh two hour and fifty five minutes. No, we're not gonna keep you guys here this long, I promise. So let's move on to what we call the um the last step of reparenting emotional constriction, which is understanding the needs that your emotions expose. Right? Each emotion exposes a specific need. Each emotion exposes a specific need. Oh, man. This could be its own episode. Yeah. <sighs> it can. 
Maybe we'll make it like a bonus episode. Yeah, maybe maybe or we'll, we'll, maybe we can do this, do it IG live and just listen, pop up already got 40, and talk to the people. Some minutes we, we might and I can't do right another now. forty something, babe. I'm sorry. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right, we're gonna hit it. Right. So hit it quick because we're gonna come back to it at some point. Yes. Okay. So let's look, talk about sadness. So sadness indicates the need for healing. Fear and anxiety indicate the need for safety. Anger indicates the need for protection boundaries or justice disgust indicates the need for distance from an offending person place or event and love indicates the need for continuous connection and relationship every need or every emotion yeah exposes a need and how many of us have needs have things that we're craving but we don't have words for them yeah itching for something, but just can't find the spot. And it's because we don't know what emotions connected to it. Mm -hmm. We don't know what we feel. So we don't know what we need. Yep. Yep. So like, rather than just being like, man, I'm angry. And, and, and that's great. It's great that you know that you're angry. And then when you're trying to figure out what to do about that anger, not to do with the anger, because what you do with anger is you feel it. Yeah. Once you felt it and you're trying to figure out, okay, now how do I like, how do I approach this anger? Like, or, or how do I heal from this anger? Like, or where is this even coming from? Instead of just being like, I don't know, I feel angry. You, if you know that anger, um, is really exposing the need, uh, for something to be protected or a boundary that hasn't been, or a boundary that has been crossed. Yeah. Then you can say, okay, what about this situation made me feel like something was unprotected? Mm -hmm. What what boundary? Yep. Did that person really step over? Or what What felt unjust about this encounter? Mm-hmm. What felt unjust about it? You know, it, I mean, honestly, we definitely could go for a long time. And I'm trying to hold myself back because I want to like go in, go in. But we'll maybe make this a bonus episode or hop on IG Live and talk about this more. But for those of us who have experienced emotional constriction, and this is just a personal tidbit, your safe place the 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 low risk high reward place can be with God. Yeah. You know, he's good at keeping secrets. <laughs> it can be with God. It can be with the Lord. It can be with with the Lord in prayer. And God desires for you to have an emotionally robust life. Yeah. A healed life is not a life where we never experience negative emotions again. A healed life is not a life where we never experience triggers again. A healed life is where we experience the full range of humans emotion, human emotions and connection to God and other people. Yeah. Because sinless Jesus is angry and upset with God. Sinless Jesus is excited to see the Lord. Yeah. Sinless Jesus weeps when his friend dies. Sinless Jesus is frustrated because foxes have their dens, but I don't got nowhere to lay my head. (laughs) Sinless Jesus is sad because he knows he's not going to be accepted. Sinless Jesus needed a break. Had to withdraw. Go pray on the mountain. Go pray. (laughs) Go cross the lake. Got disappointed. Got annoyed. Yeah. We have to stop telling people that if they feel something other than happiness, that they are sinning. Yep. Because we can't look at scripture and say that's about Jesus. Yeah. Mm. So um, as we are processing our emotional constriction and as we look for ways that um, we can be reparented, uh, I think it's really important that we, as with all of these things, give ourselves some grace, give ourselves some room to be um, inefficient, to be unproductive. Yeah. This this is not spend two days, journal a little bit, and you're done. This is <laughs> it's spend, a lifestyle. Spend two decades, journal a little bit, and then you you'll be close. <laughs> yeah. And it is it's messy. Even as a therapist, it's really easy for me to be like, I feel like I have all this knowledge, and so I should I of all people should have a better grip on my emotions and how I respond. And I shouldn't be able to get so sad. Even in the church, I I promise I'm not going to go on a long tangent, but we kind of have this weird principle. Like the more, you know, the less human you should be. 
the more you know, the less you need Jesus. Yeah, the less you should feel. Yeah, the more you know, the less present, the less affected, the less empathetic. And God is walking me, honestly, in real time, what it means to have the answers for other people, but still need the answer from someone else for myself. Yeah. And so that looks like me go making new friends and being really honest and saying, I'm sorry I didn't text back. I was having a depressive episode, girl. I couldn't get out of bed. Sorry. Mm. And starting real conversations and being honest about it because what's not going to what's not going to remedy the stigma and remove the stigma is mental health practitioners that communicate that if you know everything they know, then you won't be hurt anymore. Yeah. And if you know everything they know, then you won't be sick anymore and you won't experience any form of mental illness anymore. And I kind of feel like that's what Instagram's kind of done. It's like you follow a therapist, you try and get it, it like accumulate and, and hoard all the information they have so that you can be healed like them. And I just want you to know if there's any therapist out there that looks like they are not experiencing any lows, it's just not true. Yeah. It's part of the human experience. And it's a part of the Christian experience. He says in this life, you might have troubles. Uh, I think it's uh, Wait, possibly. You, yeah. You, you, you may have troubles. There's a theoretical. I know something. he didn't say will. That's a little too certain. No, I know he didn't say will. Something, something Can't think ambiguous. Of the Can't think of the I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. He said in this life, you will have troubles. Healing is about figuring out what to do with those troubles and how to celebrate when we don't have them. So our prayer for you guys is that you guys get to experience fully robust. I'm just pray that right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that the ears of whoever is listening will receive this fully, God, that your Holy Spirit would just begin to insert courage in the hearts of those who are afraid, that you would insert energy into the minds and the bodies of those who are weary. Father, I pray now in your name that those who are afraid to feel deeply and those who don't even know how to feel deeply, God, would you show them? Would you show them just how safe you are? Would you show them just how kind you are? Would you show them just how deeply you feel for them? And would you walk them in your footsteps, Jesus? Would you walk them in your footsteps, God? Would you walk them in your footsteps, Holy Spirit, that they would get to experience a full, robust life, experiencing all the emotions that you blessed us with from the beginning of time before the fall, we had feelings, God. Help us see that they are good and help us learn how to walk with them in a way that honors you and the creation that you've blessed us with. We love you, God. We bless you. And we know that you are going to do a mighty work. We know that there are going to be testimonies, not because of us, but because of you. We know that even if we didn't make this podcast, you would do it anyways, because that's who you are. We bless you, God, and we thank you for every single listener. Amen. Until the circle comes back around. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked our conversation, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so we can get the word of healing out to as many people as possible. Visit the show notes to stay up to date on our mental health workshops, yearly retreats, Oasis is Bomb, and connect to us on social media. We'll chat with you guys soon until the circle comes back around.